Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Sunday morning celebration here at the Center for Spiritual Living. I'm Reverend Kathleen Miller. It's my honor to be one of your staff ministers and to preside for this morning's celebration. We'll just take a moment to ground in who and what we are. We are a spiritual community that blesses all teachings and all spiritual teachers. We know that there is no wrong way to worship, whether it be lighting a candle, facing the east, burning incense, repeating a mantra, lighting a menorah, or offering prayer. We respect all the ways there are to draw closer to spirit, for even though there may seem to be great differences in the path, the destination is the same. Our vision is inspiring the recognition of spirit in all. Something wonderful is happening here, and we're delighted that you're here sharing with us this morning. If you're new to the center, please visit the welcome table after service today. You can find out a little bit more about our community and our teaching. There'll be somebody there to answer questions for you. One of the ways we celebrate together is in song. So we'll invite you to stand and let's sing together.
Wow. Hey. Wow. Some of the wonderful things that are happening here. One of them is this coming Thursday, June 11th, is the next business breakfast at the Four Points Sheraton at 7.30 in the morning. Please prepay and sign up for this event at the back table so we know how many are going to be participating. The Jack Fowler concert is scheduled for this Friday, June 12th, from 8 to 9.30, and that's going to be here at our center. Jack Fowler is a new thought spiritualist, and it will be an experiential evening of joy, inspiration, and connection through the healing vibration of music and story. And there are two admission options. There's a $30 ticket at the at, prepaid or at the door, and the golden ticket, $60. This is a pre-concert golden hour opportunity for you. It comes with a social mixer, a complimentary wine and appetizers, a signed Jack Fowler CD, priority seating. Oh, yeah. So that's a possibility and an option for you. The tickets are available at the events table after service today. So be wonderful. If you got them today, we know how many guests to expect for that wonderful evening. You'll want to register for the first ever Canadian, that's it, in Canada, the Circle of Love Gathering in beautiful Kelowna. It's being held at the University of BC in the Okanagan from August 17th to 20th. It's, this is a retreat that allows you to have an adventure in self-discovery and transcendence into the deep well of spirit. Registration is available, in, information is available in your program. If you'd like to know anything more about that, please feel free to ask at the welcome table, the events table, any of the practitioners, staff, ministers. So again, we celebrate in song, and introducing today's guest and featured soloist is Robin. It's always so exciting to have somebody new come to the center. Uh, Isabel Stahl has been singing and songwriting all her life and started performing publicly and recorded uh, a cappella meditative song CD called Seed of Being in 99. And uh, singing and songwriting for Isabel are quite simply intimate acts of prayer and communion. And it is her hope that her songs connect you to the space they come from when they are written. And uh, she also performs and offers mini workshops locally and is working on a new recording. So please welcome Isabel. And the first song she's singing is an original. Give you anything 
Each week we have a team of practitioners in service. They're available after the service today, just out this door, and there's a room to the right, pardon me, to the left. They will also pray for you this week if you place a filled-in Opportunity for You card that you'll find in your program. If you place your request on that and place it in the offering, we'll pray for you this week. The practitioners in service are myself, Kelly Kay, Jennifer Andel, and Reverend Connie Neeson. And I'll invite Jennifer for this morning's reading. Good morning. I'm reading from The Art of Being by Reverend Dennis Merritt-Jones. And the quote here at the beginning is by Horace Mann. It says, if an idiot were to tell you the same story every day for a year, you would end up believing it. Have you ever had an acquaintance tell you the same story about some trauma drama going on in their life every time you were around them? Then one day the actual trauma drama ended, but the story continued to live on and taking on its, a life of its own day after day, month after month, and yes, year after year, until it became a living legend. Eventually that story turned into their history. <clears throat> It became their point of entry, their trademark story into their history, becoming their point become, sorry, becoming their point of identity, their trademark story that defines who they are in the world. After working with many individuals over the years, I have observed that this storytelling ritual has a common theme where the storytellers place themselves in the role of victim. Somehow, somewhere, sometime, someone did something that hurt him or her. Even in the stories where they had the le- a legitimate right to, stay, to feel like a victim, at a certain point along the way, they made a choice to stay a victim. The retelling and retelling of their story is how they do it. From this mindset, the story keeps them powerless and stuck exactly where they are in their life. On some level, we have to know that this is precisely what they want. Now, I intentionally presented this scenario in the third person because it's often easier to see it acted out from a distance in other people's lives than in our own. Nonetheless, you and I have each had a story or a trauma drama that at some point helped define who we believed ourselves to be. What is the content and theme of your story? Has the victim been liberated from the bondage of the tale yet? And are you continuing to tell it long after the story ended? Is this any part of your daily life in this moment that is drawing its energy from your high story, past misfortunes, disappointments, and less than positive life experiences? If we are not fully conscious, it's easy to become mesmerized by our story. If we tell it often enough, it really does take on a life of its own. And we end up believing it as the truth of who we are. The result is that we then live small, restricted, powerless, and unrewarding lives. It is my honor to introduce our senior staff minister um, and a mentor of mine. It's Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. It's great to be back. They, they washed the floor while I was gone, so it's a good thing. If you notice, it's all cleaned up and beautiful and sweet and wonderful. All right, so if you're here for the first time, welcome. I met a young lady coming in the side door. And, well, she didn't want to come in the side door. She came in through the back this morning. So I know there are, there's at least one new member here or a new person here, and I just want to greet those of you that are new and and we, uh, my wife Laura and I were traveling for a week. And I want to thank Dr. Gans for filling in. And I heard that said Suzanne Wang did a wonderful job last week. So, sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. So what we do to, right now is part of our ritual. 
And I know it's our ritual because I've tried to change it and, and heard from all of you, so it continues to be our ritual. There are times when we're singing this song and I forget the words, and I'm so glad you all know them. It's just a, one of those things you know it so well. It's like, I wonder what the next word is. Oh, that's it. So thank you for singing along. So I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to, we're going to sing a song uh, called In This Very Room. And I'm going to do a prayer, and we'll go right into our, our discussion today. So if you'd like to stand, as some of you already have. And Danny, welcome back. Great to see you, Danny. Blanco just had heart surgery a few, uh, what, yesterday afternoon, wasn't it? Something like that. Great to see you. You're in our prayers. There's so many, so uh, why not? All right. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, There's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very very room in this very room so let us know together as we come together as we choose it it chooses us there is a there's a vibration of the most high that goes by many names but it is right where we are in and through and as us and all around nowhere in particular but everywhere in general And so what I know in this moment is we speak our word, we make our declaration, we impress upon this infinite law, an idea. And that idea gets played out in our lives. So may we choose in this moment the most wonderful and powerful opportunities that we are the doorway for the genius of the universe to emerge in and through and as each and every one of us. We celebrate. And as we celebrate one another's gifts and see one another's gifts, we are lifted. So when we hear the beautiful music, the beautiful soloist, our music team, the joy and the celebration in the eyes of the greeters, those that work with our children, those that work in our bookstore, those that work our our audio and video this day. They are all God in service to God, to this beloved. And so when we, we see one another as gods and goddesses, it elevates us to that same awareness, to that same state of being. And that's where I choose to live. Not exclusive from one another, but in oneness with one another and understanding that there is no private good. And I celebrate it. I welcome all the gifts that are seeking expression that are mine uniquely and yours uniquely to be moved in and through and as myself. Whatever that idea is, whatever that experience is, I'm open and receptive. In this day, as Rumi said, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. Let us welcome the new arrival this day in a beautiful and wonderful way. For this, I give thanks, and together we say... And so it is. Let's be seated. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. So great to be back. We were in California last week. I went down for my uh, youngest son Matthew's uh, graduation, and it was, it was great. He was in Santa Barbara. We made a couple trips from Los Angeles to Santa Barbara to see my, my children. And I, I spoke at five different, uh, I did five talks over four days while I was there. And it was, it was wonderful, it was, and I'm going to share a bit of it with you today. But I have to tell you, every time Laura and I are away from here and we, and we speak at other... Because every, every environment, every community has a different energy. It just is. Consciousness is just so unique and beautiful and wonderful. And so we always come away from it saying, boy, oh boy, it was good, but not like home. So it's just... Uh, but, but all wonderful and all good. And, and it's good to go away. And I was so happy to, that I heard great things last week that every... And you know, it should be better. It should get better when I go away. You know, it shouldn't be, oh, you weren't here, man. Oh, I'm so glad you're back. It was just awful. Because some of you tell me that, and I heard it was great. In fact, Dave Rochford called me this week and said, hey, you should go away more often. <laughs> I said, cool. As a matter of fact, so I want to talk to you about story, because story is, uh, is so important. And story is who we are. It's our stories we carry along with us. I've been using this book, The Trance of Scarcity. We're out of them, by the way, so don't go back looking for them. Jody just told me, no more. So we're going to get more in. We've sold about 150 of these so far. 
And it's nice because we've been fleshing it out. It's very simple. I love the simple practice in this book. She talks about story. Story is how we orient ourselves. Love that. Our story is that we show up. If we believe we're not enough, we show up in the world in that story. And then we play that out by right of consciousness. And we know that it seems so simple. And yet some, we're, sometimes we're so close to it, we can't, we can't see it. I mean, the story, we just, we're so in it, we wear it like a hair shirt. What are you talking about, my story? This is not a story. This is the way life is. And then our soma is how we, how we inhabit ourselves. Because our story lives, we, we can carry it with us. So it's, it's about the wisdom. I believe spiritual practice is waking up and continuing to wake up. And that's how consciousness shifts. All of a sudden, the, the prevailing story shifts and changes. And so it's so important for us to be aware of story. And story is really the, it's where the juice is. It's really where, wherever you are in your story. It's where the juice is. It's where we get to work right now. And it's never over. It just keeps going on and on and on. So, anyway, Dave Rochefort inspired in me. Uh, I wanted to share something with you that I, I think is a nice introduction to story. And so, Adam, you want to come back up, buddy? Adam helped me at the first service. Dave borrowed me a couple of pieces of, uh, of equipment because he's an old hockey player. Played pro hockey for the All Kings. and He was here at the early service and really appreciated me sharing this. So I'm going to share it again. So Adam's going to come up. Now this, some of you might recognize. This is a, is a male... Uh, gen- bless you. Uh, makes you sneeze. Uh, male uh, genitalia uh, protector. For football players, hockey players, go ahead and see if that'll, this is, by the way, this is a medium. I was surprised. I told Dave, that seems a little small for you, but I guess it fit. Anyway, and it's got garters on it for the socks too, right? So anyway, and, and the, the, the reason I bring this is this was developed in 1874. 1874, they came up with this because it's important. If we, you know, for guys that, that play sports, you know, one of these is really important. So 1874, they developed this, and it's evolved. A couple of guys told me after the first service, you know, my first one was made out of metal. Well, good, and this is made out of hard plastic, and, you know, as long as it does the job. I remember as kids, whenever anybody got their, their cup cracked, that was like, ooh. Yeah, cracked his cup. Blocked the slap shot, cracked his cup. Oh. So anyway, there it is, and there's one in there. And I'll make sure Dave gets that back after service. And John, would you come up? So 1874, right? We came up with that. This is how story works. This is how, this is how consciousness works. So John, would you uh, be willing to put this on? Okay? Yeah, oh, it probably is. If it fits my head, it'll fit your head. There you go. So, 1874. National Hockey League in 1974, started wearing this. One hundred years. One hundred years for the men involved with hockey to realize that not only is it important to protect this area, but the brain also should be protected. And that's, I mean, and I'm not making this up. This is a fact. I'm reading the Edmonton Journal before we left. They said, Laura, look at this. But, uh, you know, the evolution of consciousness. Pardon me, do you you want to try it on? No. No, but two feet in a hundred years? Ah, gotcha. Two and a half feet for you. But, but it, 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 you know, when we look at our story, and so when we look at this, we can say, there's two ways to talk about, talk about this, you know, that it took 100 years, or, hey, look, it only took 100 years. You know, it only took 100 years to figure this out. And so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny story, but it's a true story. It's how consciousness works. I mean, you know, let's protect this, and don't worry about that. That's just the brain. Don't worry about that. We don't need that. That's not important. So I thank you guys for coming up and holding that. Adam Nissen and John Gattel. Make sure, make sure I get that back to Dave this afternoon, in case he's playing somewhere. Dave, um, actually, I, I didn't borrow that from Dave, but I was, when he told me that I wasn't missed, I thought I'd use them for my illustration today. But anyway, uh, and he got a big kick out of it at the first service. The point is that there is an example, and it's a funny story, it's a true story, but it is a reflection of the, well, the way consciousness evolves. And so when we look at our lives, you know, it took 100 years just to figure that out. And so in our lives, sometimes we become impatient. You know, we have this powerful, powerful teaching. 
And I think sometimes, I know for myself I've been very impatient at times. You know, I've had the same experience over and over again, told the same story over and over again, and realized that after a while, you know, it, it, captivating stories, but are they, are they propelling me forward? Because all that we have to offer is this present moment and the, and the seeds that we plant in each moment. When we went down to um, Los Angeles, I spoke at the North Hollywood Church on Wednesday evening. Laura and I went there, and we got there early, and... It was a young man, they, they do a, uh, a salad bar kind of soup thing before their Wednesday night service, which is very nice. Very small community, but very alive, very similar energetically to what we have here. It's full of artists and writers and, and musicians. It's just a really vibrant community. And, and so we went there, and we were invited to, to speak there. <clears throat> and so at the, we went early to, to experience the, the soup and the salad seemed like a nice idea, and so I'm always scouting for ideas and looking around, and I sit down across the table from a young man, about my age, but I consider myself a young man, and uh, just getting warmed up. And so um, he's talking, and I'm, I'm watching this guy, and I just there's a familiarity, and it's full of these actors that work in television and film, and I'm thinking, I know this guy. And I'm trying to think, and I'm thinking, where, where have I seen him? What movie was he in? It'll be okay. It's all good. She's a singer. She'll be up here in a few years singing something. But anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm observing him, and I realize his familiarity. And so his name was Michael, and he's talking. And I said, Michael, what's your last name? And he said, Catlin. And I went, oh, my gosh. 35 years ago in Minneapolis, when I first, one of the first plays I was ever in, Michael had one of the larger roles, and I loved this guy. I had seen him around. He was a, grew up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, where I did, and he had done a musical that I'd seen him, and he did Godspell. I, I remembered everything he had done. He was such an inspiration to me. And I said, Michael, oh my gosh. In fact, we did, we did a play together at a place in Minneapolis called uh, um, Theater in the Round. And Theater in the Round, it was, you know, as a script, it, the stage was in the middle, and we did a play with Ernie Hudson. And Ernie has been gone on. He's a very well-known actor. He was the black uh, man in uh, the Ghostbusters, and he was in Oz, and he's a wonderful, wonderful um, actor. And Ernie played Jack Johnson, the Great White Hope. We did the play The Great White Hope, and he played Jack Johnson, and Ernie was on fire. It was an incredible play. It kept running and running and running because everybody wanted to see it. And from that, Ernie was uh, invited to Hollywood, and the rest is history for Ernie. But Michael played uh, a part in that, and, and, and I remembered, and in between uh, uh, shows one Sunday, because we did a matinee and we did an evening show, Michael and I, he said, hey, I'm looking at an apartment, and I'm looking for a roommate. Let's go look at this thing. And we went off and we looked at it. And, I, you know, and it didn't work. It was no big deal. And I wasn't ready to, I was still living at home with my family and going to university. And I said, oh, I didn't have the money and the income. I said, oh, nuts. And he was fine. We went and looked at it, and we hung out a little bit. But anyway, so I'm sitting there with Michael. And there's this, this, this whole... And I said, you know, you were such an inspiration to me. Because he was so free in his art. He was just so free in, in being an actor. To me, it was like, I watched him, and I thought, you know, that's what I want. This guy's just, he's got it going on. But isn't this true for us in life, where we walk along, we see someone that is a step or two ahead of us. And, and you know, we, we know there's something about that that I want. People, frequently, people will come up to me and say, you know, I want to do what you're doing. I say, great, great. You won't do what I do, you'll do what you do. You know, but I get the idea, I get that, and that's, for all of us, that's a wonderful thing. So I get this, it was a, a remarkable experience, and I, I, ta- I talked there, my, my talk title was Failing Forward. And I, and I like that. Winston Churchill said, success is moving from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And I love that. Because really, it's perception. There really is no Failure. But we, we, you know, we, 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 get, we get our eyes on the goal. And I talked about how acting was my dream. Lifelong dream from the time I was a little boy. And the, the spiritual journey for me. And as I started to work, fortunately, I, started, I, I had enough passion and enough awareness and enough in, 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 sort of inherent talent that I, I worked a bit. And as I worked a bit, as I've said many times, I realized this isn't it. Which was really scary. Because once you figure out what the answer is, and, and once you get to the destination, then everything's going to be right. And I got to the destination... <laughs> and everything felt kind of scary. So it stepped me out of the flow. I wanted to be in the flow. Uh, Victoria Castle talks about that. We have fight, flight, and freeze. Fight, flight, and freeze. Those are our, we're hardwired for one of those. 
And she describes her husband in here, how she would attack when she'd get pressured. And she'd attack, and her husband, how he started to work with her and help her process and help her stay grounded. It's a beautiful little um, segment in the, in the chapter that I'm talking about today. It's the state. It's not the stuff. So fight, flight, or freeze. The other option we never talk about is flow. Flow is when we just stand. Our natural state of being is to stand in the peace and the knowing and the groundedness that everything is, is okay. I mean, I heard this concept about 30 years ago. I thought, you know, I'd like to experience that for a minute or two in my life before I make my next transition. Because it was foreign to me. It was an environment I was raised in. We were all on, on edge. We were all on hyper alert. There was something that was going to happen any moment. And we were ready, you know. And we, we lived in that sort of that, that, that fantasy that life was going to get us at some point in time. And at, at a certain point in time, I said, man, I, I, there's got to be another way. And all of a sudden, I started to read some information, and I started to see people that modeled a different way of being, a state of living in the flow. And that flow is that openness. It's the aligning. It's the generous. It's the giving. It's the attracting. All those qualities that Victoria Castle talks about. And so when we know that, when we can set an intention to live in that flow, life is quite beautiful. So when I saw Michael performing as a young actor, I said, I want that. That guy just, he seemed to be so free. And so I spoke about my experience with Michael and my talk about failing forward because it was so real and it was just so... To me, 35 years later, I sit down in a small metaphysical community in North Hollywood, California, and I've been in Canada for the last uh, eight years, seven and a half years, and here's Michael Catlin. That I, I just, for me, was the epitome of, of, of artist. So Michael sends me an email that I want to share with you because it is one of the most beautiful letters I've ever received in my life. And it speaks so beautifully to this whole idea of story. So he says, Patrick, I'm still in the midst of processing the other night, but I wanted to try and express how deeply I was affected by our reunion. To begin with, I have to admit just how shallow I was feeling in the moment. And Laura said that to me. You could just see his jaw drop. As I'm telling him, I have all these clear memories of Michael. I remember everything, every detail, because he was just so He was just so magical. He said, I was simply flabbergasted by your clear memory of me and that show and just how empty my memory was of you. It really bothered me how I was sitting there running the Rolodex in my head searching for a reference and it just kept coming up blank. Even when you related how we talked about being roommates, I just felt like such a shallow and unconscionable fraud of sorts. But isn't this true? We have a story going on in our head and... You know, most people have forgotten. Most people, it it hasn't registered in the same way for whatever reason. Then as service started and Michael Shapiro led meditation, parts started to come back, thankfully. My only excuse, the large amount of various kinds of intoxicants I was taking back in those days. (laughs) Clearly, some of the gray matter has hardened. With that very vulnerable state, I found myself in your talk opened me like a skilled surgeon's scalpel. Scalpel, you honored and touched me in a way that has never been easy for me. Your failing forward, the coming together of your own realization that your dream was not your calling, combined with your exciting of my influence on your desire to be an artist, was simply put powerful, revelatory words for me to hear. So he touched my life. He planted seeds with me. He didn't even know. And I think we go through life sometimes that we don't know who we're affecting. Just by being who we are and following our passion. You know, when you show up alive, when you show up in the flow, oh my, you're a gift to everybody. Something, you know, you've been in, I mean, we're in a room here with cultural creatives that we, we forget sometimes. We get into our stories and you come in here and you have struggles and challenges. Yesterday we were trying to paint the belfry, that big tall thing there. One, a new sign went up. I said, guys, we've got to get it painted before the signs go up. And I left and put the signs up and I had the paint bought and I had the, the lift ordered. And then the, the paint wasn't mixed properly, and the sprayer wouldn't work, and the lift was a scissor lift instead of a boom. So at 12.30, I said, boys, it's time to declare victory and go home. <laughs> was it a failure? Well, you know what it was, what it was. And the guys, you know, I could, I could tell there was a little bit of disappointment. Oh, we didn't quite get it all done. I said, you know what? We're fixing to get ready. This was a good warm-up. Next time we know what we need. We need a sprayer that works. We need a boom. And we'll give it a shot. But anyway but we never know when we're planting those seeds. He said, um, 
So his influence on me, powerful revelatory words for me to hear. I have heard and had similar emotional slash intellectual revelations in the past, but as I sat there, I realized that I had been living my own dream slash calling upside down for most, if not all, of my adult life. Living it upside down. If one is living or trying to live a dream, ultimately it will be unsatisfying. You can't live a dream. It's an idea. And it's wonderful to have those aspirations. But I love what he says here. It's so powerful and wonderful. And I haven't responded to him yet. I was so touched by this letter. I, I, it was just uh, beautiful. Once you attain it, your liftoff, and I talked about the five stages of creation, uh, the idea, liftoff, uh, stability, momentum, and breakthrough, and then you're back to, li- to the idea again. It's just how the creative process works. Take it from the metaphysical to the physical. So liftoff, second stage. He said, once you attain your liftoff or begin to manifest parts of it, it is extremely easy to deny it or disown it, or do whatever one does to destroy it because it is not real. It's a dream. It's something outside. And the reason a calling is so powerful is because it comes from within. It is the true nature of an individual. And see, I don't think we can get in touch with the calling if, unless we're in touch with the flow. Because when we're in the worry, when we're making decisions from anxiety and fear and lack and limitation, and it's easy to do that. And don't feel bad if those words resonate with you. It's just simply easy to do that, but it's not the only way. And so to be able to step back into the flow, and, and we're going to do a little exercise here in a moment. I'm going to lead you in something that I think will be helpful. Because I think this work with story is so important. Because we all have story. Story, we all have it. And then we, when we can start to rewrite our story, part of it is cleaning it, pulling it up, and seeing how it feels for us and what's alive there. And how can we reframe the story? Because we'll never forget People have been abandoned. People have been lied and cheated to. People have had death and tragedy in their lives. We all have. I got home yesterday and, and uh, Max said, uh, one of the first people Max met, my son Max, graduating from the U of A tomorrow, and one of his dear, best friends he made when we first got to town had uh, passed away. We went to his memorial service. 21 years old. It's so sad. Just sad, sad, sad. Those things happen to all of us. It's part of the story. And, and I think if, if there isn't a clarity, and, and so you live in the mystery. Some, you don't under, have to understand all of it. So you show up and you offer your condolences and you, you're there grieving with everyone else and, and the sorrow and the tears. I mean, that's it. You're present with it. And the memories flood over and you realize it's a reminder of how precious life is, how temporary this all is for all of us. Boy, it just keeps going faster and faster. If one is living or trying to live a dream, ultimately it will be unsatisfying. Once you attain it, your lift off to begin or begin to manifest parts of it, it is extremely easy to deny it, disown it, or do whatever one does to destroy it because it's not real. It's a dream. It's something outside. The reason a calling is so powerful is it comes from within. It is the true nature of us. It has been, I have been trying to live a dream when, in fact, the creative artistic life of an actor, writer, director, producer is my calling. It is my essential being. This is a perfect explanation for the absolute inconsistency of my success. Even that word is troubling, but it is the only real-life measure there is. Now, there were other factors at work here. I took a number of years off to take care of my son as he went through chemotherapy for leukemia. But truth be told, that's only a further admission of a story I held on to for way too long. That's a story. Those things happen, but we can hang on to them and we can use an excuse for not moving ourselves forward which is beautiful insight on his part. The bottom line, I am that artist that you were inspired by and I've been, and been living for a very long time as something else. Because we forget. See, what I saw in him was the genius. When I think about Michael, I see the genius. That's my memory. But he's making up stories and stories and stories and disowning it and discounting it. Someone told me about a week ago how wonderful I was and I said, you're right. It's true. And getting more wonderful every day. There's, it doesn't mean there aren't parts that I can fine-tune. It doesn't mean I don't have gaps. But in the past, somebody would say that to me. Oh, no, no, no. Hold your tongue. You don't know me well enough to say things like that to me. How dare you? <laughs> I'm not sh- sure exactly what to do with this, Michael continues, with this revelation. But as you said to me after your talk, and I cannot at this moment quote you exactly, we never know the effect on the people we meet as we travel through life. I would suggest a corollary to that, which might be we have no idea what seeds we plant in those we meet along the path of life who later become a messenger of our own salvation. Isn't it amazing how things go full circle? This guy inspired me to do things in my life that I 
that I needed a model. I needed somebody that I could relate to that said, if that guy can do that, I think I can do that. And he inspired me, and I never forgot the memory of him. And he didn't even know who I was. doesn't remember any of it. That's the beauty of it. And then we go full circle, and I go through this whole transformation of my life and go back down there. I mean, it was almost like it was orchestrated by the divine. And all of a sudden, as he said, and you planted seeds with me that cracked me open. And he came up to me afterwards, and he, he just held me as tight as he could. And I put my hand on his heart, and I said to him, I said, Michael, you know, Ricky Lee Jones once said, we never know when we're creating a memory for another person. But the memories that, I, I, that have inspired me are when people have lived in that flow, when they've lived in that beauty of life, when they've lived in their creative genius that's available for all of us, not just the, the unique one person here, one person there. Those, the, the genius that is seeking expression. And so when we have the mindset that whatever we're doing, the perception is whatever we're doing, we're successful. You know, yesterday with the, with the trying to paint the thing out there. Only one thing to do, guys. Declare victory and move on. I said, you know, and I've had years of, as a building contractor. I said, one thing I've learned with building and contracting, there is no problem that money will not solve. Got to move everything in a certain direction. Don't like that wall of cabinets. Don't like a wall there. I used to tell my customers all the time, not a problem. It's just going to take more money, which is not what they wanted to hear. But that was the truth. It's going to cost you more money. You're making a change. And so we did that. I said, now we know exactly what we need next time. And we'll do that next time. But sometimes that's life. But I could, part of me, the old, the old tape for me, oh, you didn't plan well, you wasn't prepared enough, you didn't schedule it right, right after you got back, all that stuff. Nah, 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 nah. It's perfect. Just the way it is perfect. Beautiful stuff. So in your program today, you should have a piece of white paper. In your program, a piece of white paper. If you don't have one, put your hand up. Don's in the back. He'll get you one. Everybody have something to write on? You'll need something to write with? If you choose to participate, lady right there, can Don, over here. David's coming up. Good. So as you get that in, Don, Katie, yeah, there goes Katie. She's going to go back and get one. Good. So make sure it's all, it's a white piece of paper. And I want you to think about something that's alive for you. Alive, alive, something that's alive for you right now. Yeah, no, no, it's a good question. Something that's, that's bubbling up for you, that's current. And, it's, and it's, it, it may be something that's as a story that you know intuitively. And you know what you're ready to, to put down. What are you ready to let go of? See, our stories we'll never forget. You'll never forget your stories. Carl Jung used to say, we don't forget our stories, we just grow beyond them. So what story has brought you, is it, a, is it a lack or limitation when you go to sleep in the trance of scarcity that there's not enough or you're not enough or there'll never be enough or whatever it is, money, relationships, time, opportunities, whatever it may be that you're willing to let go of. It doesn't mean you'll ever forget it. It just simply means that you won't pick it up anymore and chew on it and grind on it. And because it becomes our mantra, it becomes our meditation. So what, what is it for you? And you can write a word down. All I want you to do is become aware of it in your awareness. You don't have to write the whole story out. You can do that later. But whatever it may be, write that word down. Write it down on your piece of paper. And I'll just I'll hold the high watch for you here. I know the right and perfect awarenesses are, are bubbling up for each person here. Whatever it may be. Wherever there's a restriction in your life. And also, where do you own it? Where do you carry it in your body? You carry it in your jaw, your neck, your head, your back, your shoulders, your hands, your forearms, your legs. Where do you carry that? Because I carry, I carry my stories in certain places. And then I, I, I tighten up. Sometimes I just tighten up all over. When I was down getting ready to do the talk in Orange County, there was a huge thunderstorm that came in at 2 in the morning. And I didn't have my notes all put together. I was speaking at 6.30 that morning. Didn't have my shirt ironed. And so for 15 minutes, I kept telling myself the story. I'm not going to be ready. I will have, I'll be there in a, a, a wrinkled shirt and this on and on and on and on and on. And after about 15 minutes, I said, wait a minute. This is just a story you're making up. Put it down. It'll be what it'll be. But I mean, I, I tell you that because sometimes it's just a little thing. You'll pick up and I said, you know what? Reality is the power is probably coming back on. And about five minutes later, it came back on. 
But we, we hang on to the story so many times. And it's really about putting them down. It's about releasing them. You can still have the memory, but you can release them. So what I'm going to invite you to do with your story now is to take whatever it is, and if you, you, you feel where it is alive for you, you feel where it's still, you, you still store it, breathe into that, breathe into that, breathe into that. And then crumple that story up. Just crumple it up into a ball. Perfect. Good crumpling. Man. And toss them into the middle aisle here. There you go. Yep. Hey. Just like New Year's Eve. Perfect. Yeah, it makes you kind of giddy, huh? Getting rid of the story. You know what? And it's true, I think, what happens when we, it, we lighten ourselves. It's kind of like, to use the hockey metaphor, it's kind of like the, the rink's been resurfaced, ready for a new period. There's just a, there's a, there's a lightness. It, it, it just, we continue. See, we, there's, no, there's no cap to this, this idea of the energetics, the vibration. And so they're all in the center aisle. And so this is my invitation to you. And now, it may come alive for you again. What you get to do next time is feel where it is, have the full experience and say, can I put this down? Yes. Will I put this down? Yes. And when? Now. Right now. And if it comes alive for you again, put it down again. That's the whole idea that when Jesus of Nazareth talked about, we must forgive seven times 70. He was talking about putting the story down. And he, what he meant by that was as often as it takes. This is our opportunity. See, this is a privilege and an opportunity. This isn't a burden. We got these stories, I mean, for myself, I've got these stories running all the time. And I'm realizing, oh my gosh, this is a fascinating story. I need to write this story down. Then I need to crumple it up and throw it away, either metaphorically or physically. But the, the neat thing about this is if you're really attached to that story, you can come back in here and just pick up one of these pieces of paper. And the reason we did them all in white is because they all look the same. So chances of you finding your story, it's going to take you a while. But it doesn't matter if you pick up somebody else's story. So, Lynn, if you pick up Linda's story, it won't matter. It's just a story. It's just energy. I mean, that's how arbitrary this is. We think our stories are... You can pick up anybody's story here and take it home. Take it home. Take the word home. I did this in Orange County with this business group. And this lady was just like... She, oh, I just, can I have those pieces of paper to take home? I want to read them all. I don't think so. She says, oh, this would be great. I'm a writer. There'd be so many stories there. <laughs> there she is making up a story, right? We've put him down. It was fascinating. I looked at her. You're kidding. I thought she was, you know, I thought she was giving me the gears a little bit. She was dead serious. No, no, I just, I'd love to read them all. Because <laughs> I gave them five minutes to write. I had more, a little more time. But the point being is the stories are there, and you can pick them up again if you want. And you, you may find yourself pick up the story that you've thrown in there again. And it's just another opportunity to say, you know what, it's still alive in me. I'm still hanging on to it for some reason. And ask yourself, why am I hanging on to this? Why am I hanging on to this? See, what the world is asking us to do, I believe, why we have incarnated is to live our best self possible. And when we don't stand in the flow, when we stand in the, the worry and the anxiety and the scarcity of life, we just close down. We just close down. And, and it's okay. It's not right or wrong, good or bad. It doesn't make you less than if your tendency is to do that. It's just not a very interesting idea. There was a thing on the web, the RSI web the other day, the International Centers for Spiritual Living now, and someone got a, a, an inquiry from one of their uh, congregants, and some been tragedy in this family, and some, another person in the family just died. And, and the question being, you know, why does this happen to good people? And one of the ministers responded, you know, what I've learned in my journey of ministry is there aren't good people and bad people. They're just people. You know, this whole idea, you know, I've lived such a good life and then this happened. I don't know the answers to that. But if we look at the totality and the mosaic of life in our journey and our journey together, when Michael came back into my life and he wrote me this this email, I just thought, my God, 35 years of this relationship where I went off and did my thing and he's off having his experience in the mosaic of how we influence one another. And the totality of how all of our lives are interlinked in ways we can't even imagine. 
So to say, to look at life as linear and say, okay, I'm a good person and I lost my job. I'm a good person and my husband or wife passed away. All that stuff is so sad, but it's, it, it's not linear like that. Life just doesn't, we want it to be such a simple story and it's not many times. I believe that when our work is done here, we, we graduate. I think when we have done the things that we've come to do, we graduate. And, and many times I don't understand it when I look at it. But I, just, I know that, that there's something larger than just my own awareness of it and my good opinions of it that are happening. So what, but what I do know what I can do is I can show up powerful, I can show up centered, I can show up in the flow as you can. You are more powerful than you can imagine. You have more, more possibility for the creativity and the, and the things that are longing to be expressed by means of you than you can ever imagine. And the more that we can step into that flow of life, we allow the genius of the universe to express through us. And it is wonderful, it's powerful, it is your opportunity, it is my opportunity. So let's go out this week and live from that. And every time we forget, let's remind ourselves, infinite intelligence of the universe, bring me back into that flow, remind me when I forget, when I pick up the story, I'll look at it, I'll find out where I'm holding it, how I can release it, and how I can move forward beautifully and powerfully and wonderfully. That's our opportunity, and I know that you're about that, I know that you care about that, and so it is. You're on. Isabella's coming back up to sing another song. I'd like to just say thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege to be with you and singing with you today. And also very heartfelt thanks to Brown um, for his amazing <laughs> gift of musicianship and to Robin. And thank you, Cash, Jordan, and Jonathan. We're going to sing, um, it's actually a Sandy Denny song uh, covered by Eva Cassidy and now covered by us.
Beautiful harmony. Beautiful harmony. All right. Here comes John with the the hand Zamboni. All right. So let's know this together as we leave here today or as we, we offer our gifts this day. And thank you so much for your continuous financial support. If you're here for the first time, keep your money in your pocket today. We are a self-supporting community and it's a, it's a powerful community. Wonderful things are happening. As I mentioned many times with our, our, uh, our podcast, our ta- our, the lessons are on our uh, website. And they're going all over the world now. And it's been such a great opportunity for us to do that and to touch people's lives in places we couldn't even imagine. So the emails keep coming in. I thank you so much. And we continue to expand our programs. There's some powerful things happening. Some wonderful things happen this week. And as we get them into place, I'll let you know what's going on. But there's some incredibly wonderful things happening for us as a community. So with that said, let us know as we give our gifts. Let us give our gifts in the joy and from that flow of life, knowing that as we give and from the state we give from, it allows us to press down and overflowing. It comes back to us tenfold or more, not just in prosperity, but in relationships and joy and health and vibrancy and energy, the courage and the awareness to stand fearless in life. So let us give from that state of being and knowing that all is well and life is sweet and getting sweeter all the time. With that said, I give thanks for the opportunity to give, to share, to serve. And I invite you to say with me once again, and so it is. as good a music as anywhere out in the world and so I just honor these musicians and their talent awesome 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 
All right, so let's just take this, this energy with us this week. Wherever we go, whenever we forget, we can come back in the twinkling of an eye to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. And so I move intentionally this week. I declare and instruct this infinite intelligence within me to remind me each time I forget to bring me back. Wherever I hold on to something, I willingly let go. I can, I will, and I do it now. This is my practice. So I give thanks. I give thanks for this teaching. I give thanks for all the wonderful teachers that have shown up in my life over the years. Some recently and some 35, 40 years ago. But what I know is this universe is conspiring for each and every one of us to continue to discover and rediscover that which is important for us to know. That is my knowing. I move with that intention. I know that every person out there that I see as a hero seeking to live their finest experience and as I support them in that I am supported in like kind. There is no private good. For this I give thanks. I release these words in the expectancy that wonderful, amazing things continue to unfold in my life. Something wonderful is happening right here, right now. By means of you, by means of me. For this I give thanks. This is my knowing. And once again, together we say, and so it is. Let's sing. Let's sing.